0: Is also a former social worker and a political campaign activist.
1: Some people in town say the base is run by aliens working with our federal government to conduct mind control and genetic experiments. I'm leaving. I'm glad. Thanks, Life Society, for railroading my ass.
0: Hey, everyone. What's up? Welcome to the Erie Americas. I'm your host, Christy Hull.
1: This is Vicky Ayala.
0: And it feels good to be back here. A little weird. It's been a few weeks. We apologize. There was a lot going on. Vicky was moving, going on in the world. We're trying to social distance, but still enjoy our summer. So it's been a, a rough transition for the entire planet, including the hosts here, but we're back. And one thing I just said to Vicky before we started, I'm like, dude, it is weirdly quiet on your end. Like,
1: Exactly. It is so quiet in here. Like
0: on her end, hearing a horn in the distance, hearing a motorcycle, hearing an ambulance. You don't
1: hear anything, which means you also do not hear Lena because she has nothing to react to.
0: Speaking of which, so we're recording the day after Independence Day. And uh, I was wondering because Lena has, I don't think we've ever talked about it on the podcast, but Lena has massive anxiety when it comes, like a lot of animals when it comes to fireworks. Hers is really, really bad. She actually injured herself a few years ago to the point where like she had to have surgery. So it was a big deal that they moved into this place right before the 4th, but I wanted to find out like, sound wise like how did it work out is it way better worse same
1: just to reiterate what christy said about two or three years ago she um was so freaked out by fireworks and we couldn't really calm her down and at that time we still had her cage open because she actually likes her cage like we don't cage her as a punishment and she basically was uh spazzing out so bad that her tail got caught into her cage and it basically resulted in having to amputate her tail and so ever since then, we have like not figured out a way to calm her down during fireworks. We have literally drugged her and sedated her with something from the vet and really working. And so um, we've been here for a week now. And I have to tell you that I, it, I had I had trouble sleeping the first two nights because it was so quiet in here.
0: Yeah, because Vicky one of those freaks that like I know most people from the I city. Need noise. They need noise. Like it sounds like a weird thing to say to a lot of people. They don't get it. But we really do get used to it. And so when it gets quiet, it's super weird.
1: I had the same issue when Christy got married. Um, and I stayed in a cabin in the woods. And I was like, I can't fucking sleep because all I hear are crickets. <laughs> like That's
0: all I hear? And excitingly, I, we're hoping to see each other soon. So Vicky might be coming out for a visit. And...
1: We are still being very careful. It'll be driving. I'm not flying.
0: <laughs> the one thing you have to get used to is like, even at night, Denver's quiet. So you're going to oh, yeah, have trouble in well, the Well, I'm si- getting
1: used to it now, but... Like they're still doing fireworks nightly over here, I'm sure like everywhere else. And it is a lot quieter here. So we still gave Lena the medication that the vet gave us to calm her down. But I have to tell you, it was not bad at all. It really wasn't. uh, Not only was it not bad, she kind of just slept a lot. She did bark, I have to say, maybe a total of five to eight times the whole night. That's not bad at all for her she barked at me the first
0: time I met her about four or five times. Well, so oh, that's because you weren't bad.
1: paying attention to her. Well, How I mean, like,
0: it, it was an excited bark. It wasn't a scary bark. But comparatively, I'm saying she barked oh, yeah. almost the same amount as she normally does when she's excited. It was so not so bad. Not bad.
1: Um, we kind of just played some music. It drowned out most of the noise. And whereas everywhere else in Brooklyn, I think, got fireworks until about 4 or 5 a.m., we were asleep by like one thirty. Wow. And it was fantastic. This apartment is great. It is quiet. It is big because I sent Christy a video of it. Huge. Um, and so we're very happy and I like to report that Lena had no injuries. Yay.
0: I can't even imagine because even Donnie hates them. He has those little sunny seats, you know, like those suction cups that go up to the glass and they just rest on them. That is his permanent place. Like as far as he's concerned, even when you peek in his shades, he's like, Hey, what are you doing in my room? He's very protective of that space. He was jumping down all day. He's not a big fan of thunder, lightning, and that's what fireworks sound like. So to him, it's not good. I can't even imagine your poor pit bull that's huge and terrified and you can't like calm her down. Uh, Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, it's
1: very hard for us. It's not like she's a small dog that I can just cradle in my lap and like, I can't do anything. She's 66 pounds. You know what? It was honestly the best in the last four years, I have to say, that she's had for July 4th. I was very happy to report that. And I also, for the first time in three months, saw both of my siblings. Um, we haven't seen each other since our mother's funeral. So it was actually not such a bad fourth for me. Yeah, It was actually a pretty good day. Uh, we watched Hamilton and we ate some pizza and it was great. It was a good That's day.
0: awesome. But speaking of, aside from watching Hamilton, which I have to catch up with because my husband doesn't have the capacity to through one mu- musical if it's not live. See, the good
1: thing is I tri- like the way I got my husband to watch it was I didn't give him a choice. I was like, well, my brother, and my sister are here and they're guests and they want to watch it. And I was like, he can't tell me anything if I tell him my brother and my sister want to see it. Good one. That's how I got him to see it.
0: But yeah, so I'm going to catch up with that. But the one thing everyone that's w- listened to the show for a while knows I'm a nostalgic person at this point. I always like talking about things in the past and things that I liked and things that I grew up. They are bringing a lot of our childhood back. But one of the greatest things they've brought back was Unsolved Mysteries. And everyone that's listened to the show knows it was so it happened so fast. It just I don't even think anyone knew it was happening. They just posted it. I get literally six text messages, two from my siblings, two from other family members and two friends that were like, dude, did you see it? Mind you, I was already on the first episode because as soon as I woke up, it popped up on my Netflix and I was like. What? you're the
1: one who told me she was like I'm watching on some mysteries I'm like oh the old one I watch it all the time she's like no there's no. a new one on Netflix I'm like "But what about without Robert Stack I woke up at 7 a.m. my time and <laughs> I
0: got on my phone and Netflix you know they always email you recommendations but the first thing I saw was on some mysteries and I thought it was the old show and I'm like oh okay even like, that would have been okay on- with me <laughs> I know it's on Um, I think it's on Amazon Prime, but I figured, oh, maybe they're sharing the rights or something. I went on. I was like, oh, no, this is like a new series. It's just not the style. The formatting has changed right. on television. People don't need a host in a trench coat. Can you freaked out anymore? It's just not necessary. They stopped doing that. It's very Twilight Zone, very old school. They don't really do it that much anymore, aside from the new Twilight Zone. But I went through it. I flew through it. It was all great episodes, all very intriguing. Only one that I actually heard of, or no, rather two. And already,
1: like, since it aired, the FBI already reopened one of those cases, which I think that case is, it's kind of easy to solve. But the only episode I have to say that I didn't watch is there is an episode that is in French. The only reason I didn't watch it is because I was watching it while, because I did work busy. on the yeah. third. Um, I worked on call, so I couldn't pay attention to the yeah. subtitles. So I was like, let me not just put this on in the background. I'm going to go back when I can really pay attention and rewatch the episode. So I do have to watch that episode, but I did watch all the others. And I don't know, it, like you said, it was kind of like, it's, it's weird because it's nostalgic in a way, but then at the same time, it's like modern. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it, it, it was
0: it was cool. It was a perfect cross. I thought it was perfect. It's number yeah. one Right now, so I'm sure anyone listening has probably watched it already, but definitely recommend checking it out. And they still give you they still give Robert Stack props. I love the silhouette of him. Oh yeah, the the silhouette in the intro. And they didn't change the song; they just kind of updated it, which was great.
1: Yes, that was also. I was like, that's something that could really turn you off to it because I'm like, you have to keep the song. Like it's yeah, and you have to give an
0: homage to Robert Stack, and they did it perfectly, so I loved it. I can't wait for more episodes. The only thing I thought was unfair was there was only six. There used to be like 30 I episodes. I know.
1: I was hoping there'd be at least 10. Totally. I literally finished it. And like, for some reason, Netflix with Netflix, it looped back to the first episode. And I was like, wait, I saw this one already. And I thought maybe like I messed up and like pressed the remote. And then I look and I'm like, oh, my God, there's only six. Yeah. Like what am I supposed to do with this?
0: Yeah, it was quite the tease. But you guys so got Netflix, us, Please,
1: please do more. You got
0: us hooked. Come on, bring out more now. All right, so let's get into Reddit. I'm going through the paranormal thread and deviously annoying posted something that I completely relate to. I actually did a whole episode on how much I hate it. You know, it reiterates my hate and makes me remember why I hate them so much. My doll's hands would change and I have no explanation as to how everyone who's listened to the October episodes knows how much I hate dolls. I hated them growing up. I won't have a doll near me. I'm talking like plastic dolls, Barbie dolls. And she actually posted this today, July 5th. I've decided to post each and every single one of my significant paranormal experiences on Reddit as of today, starting with this one. My memory of my early childhood is quite good. I wouldn't say I'm sensitive to the paranormal at all, just a regular old person. When I was about four years old, I owned a baby doll. This doll didn't look creepy or anything. The doll's entire body was made of hard plastic. The shoulders and hip joints and maybe the neck could bend, but none of the other joints could such as the hands and feet, which were molded plastic shapes. So this is just kind of like your standard doll that you can probably get like, you know, pay 20 bucks for, you know, whatever. The doll wore a long sleeved white onesie that had tiny purple triangles on it. Bald head, I think. I have no idea where I got this doll or what brand it is or anything. Just that I lived in BC, Canada at the time, about 2001. My parents can't remember the doll. So basically the doll's hands would change. I can specifically remember my uncle placing the doll on the couch with its arms out, and both of its hands completely open. Sometimes after that, the hands would be fists, or one hand open and one hand closed. At the time, of course, I had no clue that it was weird whatsoever. I had just tried to pry the plastic hands open when they were closed, swearing that they were open last time I checked, but to no avail. It was physically impossible for the hands to change, but they did. It wasn't a fancy or expensive doll either. I don't know why I thought of the story. It might not be paranormal at all, but I'm pretty damn certain of what I saw. I have no idea where that doll is now. I gave most of my toys away when I was six and we had to move to another country. Not the coolest story ever, but hey. It doesn't need to be cool. It's creepy. It's creepy. And any paranormal experience where something that shouldn't be alive is moving is always is always a
1: paranormal experience. Especially a fucking doll. Like those things are just cre- I will stand by it. All of my friends who are having kids, I will never give your kid a doll because that shit is fucking creepy. I've never given
0: a doll as a gift ever.
1: I don't think it's a good gift. Yeah. Like, I don't want a doll.
0: I used to get dolls and my sister would like get them eventually because I just I would try to be polite and play with them or play Barbies. And then I eventually would give them to her and then she'd beg me to play with them. And I'd be like, no. And she thought I just didn't want to play with her, but I just didn't like dolls. I want to
1: play with the doll. Anything else. I'll play with the box. Like, don't make me play with the doll. And dolls nobody fucking creepy. I never
0: had any creepy experience with a doll that I can recall. Maybe in my deep psyche as like a two year old or something. Maybe you
1: buried it in like a box in your maybe. mind and you just don't remember. It's, I mean, it's quite possible. Experience. I
0: do believe you can close certain doors if you try hard I enough. Do too. But I mean, I just no, no dolls. I'm good.
1: Actually, a case that I wasn't gonna cover. I actually just heard of it. So I actually started um my little intro here, just basically talking about what we talked about before about how it feels really good to be recording again, especially in my new apartment where it's a lot quieter and it's a lot more comfortable. But you know, the reason we took off was because I was moving, and moving is so incredibly stressful, no matter how happy you are about oh, the move, yeah. no matter if you hire movers, it is fucking stressful. You know what else is stressful? Children. Children very children. much so. Pregnancy and child both are stressful. Nowadays, you know, there's different types of families. It's one of the things we're fighting for, making sure everybody has rights. There's different types of families. There's single mothers, there's single fathers, there's married, there's unmarried, there's um, same sex, like there's all these different types of families. Um, Babies are born into all different types of situations, none better than the other, personally, Um, as long as they're being loved. I don't care who has kids. But, you know, there was a time that things like that weren't okay. And it wasn't even that long ago, 30s, 40s, you couldn't have you couldn't be, in, I mean, we know that with the loving family, right? You couldn't be in an interracial relationship. Right. You couldn't be a same-sex couple. You couldn't be unwed. There was a whole lot of restrictions on who were allowed to be parents. And that brings me to uh, Eva Neforth and the story of the Butterbox babies. So we're going to take a trip to Nova Scotia. And there we're going to meet a woman named Eva Neforth who was 26 years old. Eva was basically in a, quote-unquote, unfortunate situation. She was pregnant and she was unmarried. Ooh, like the worst thing you can do. She was pregnant and unmarried. Quite the scandal those days. <laughs> I know, her, scandalous. Now in 1935, having a baby out of woodlock was just not, not a thing you would do. <laughs> not out in the open anyway, which is really ridiculous. But she basically had to hide her pregnancy because, of course, fear of judgment. And, you know, people, even now, that always want to tell you yeah. what you're doing is wrong, even if it has nothing to do with them. And it's not like she wasn't with the child's father. It was her boyfriend. They just weren't married. So, you know, not a thing. She basically started researching what she could do because she wanted to have her baby because, of course, at that time and even now sometimes, you know, abortion wasn't an issue. And it's not that she didn't want her baby. She just couldn't have it out in the open. So she starts researching, like, what she could do um, to have her baby without fear of judgment and without having to hide everything. And so she kind of finds this place called Ideal Maternity Home. Ideal Maternity Home was a maternity home. It was first opened as a life and health uh, sanitarium in 1920 before it was renamed to the Ideal Maternity Home. And basically, it was an unlicensed maternity home, which at that time, you didn't really have to prove your licenses. You could just be like, I want to open a maternity home. Yeah, and open you one. could
0: have opened an old age home. You could have opened a Yeah, you could have retirement. basically done anything.
1: You could open up whatever you wanted. Just be like, I want to have one. And you didn't have to have a license.
0: Essentially, monitor people without yourself being monitored, which is really creepy to think about. It is because,
1: like, they provided care. They basically provided maternity care for both local and you know other people like other areas you could be married but it was basically like a safe haven for unwed mothers or other situations like interracial couples because you couldn't really have babies that were mixed race um and things like like that basically they provided care for those so that you could come there and feel comfortable and you didn't have to hide your pregnancy and you didn't get judged the average wage at the time was eight dollars a week which is kind of equivalent to 118 ish dollars now the mothers were charged five hundred dollars, which right which now is equivalent to like seventy five hundred dollars. Five hundred for the whole Oh no, that's it. just five hundred dollars for maternity services. That did not what? include like board and room and stuff like that. They were charged that just to have their baby.
0: Wow. So this is basically just a place for you to have a hidden delivery at an exorbitant
1: cost. Pretty much. Wow. And But but what's the cost of making sure that nobody finds out you're having a baby out of wedlock? Like, that's what it was. You're taking advantage of someone in a desperate situation. It was opened in 1928 by William and Lila Young. William Young was a chiropractor, so obviously he knew a whole lot about the vagina and the female reproductive system. He was also an unordained minister, which I don't even know what to say about that. Yeah, right. He was an unordained minister for a Seventh day Adventist church, and his wife, Lila Young, was actually a midwife, so she kind of knew somewhat about childbirth but she actually called herself and promoted herself as an obstetrician those are very different things and like one's a doctor and one's not but at least she was closer to it than like her back cracking husband what the hell were you gonna do crack the woman's back like what, you, what were you gonna do to help with childbirth? right huh. lila thinks on obviously this is like a great idea this is just what she needs she can go there and have her baby and she won't have to worry about anything So in December of 1935, uh, Eva Eva heads to the ideal maternity home to have her baby. Now, while I don't know a lot about childbirth in general, I am pretty sure that it was probably more difficult back then. Um, You know, we have drugs now. We have doctors. We have a lot of advancements in a lot of things. There's epidurals and there's all types of shit. I'm not really sure when epidurals started, but I'm almost positive in 1935 they didn't have them. Even
0: if you decide to do natural route, there's breathing techniques. They didn't do any of that back in the day.
1: Right. And honestly, even if they had all of that, obviously an option, like a a, a midwife and a chiropractor probably didn't know how to administer an epidural, like it goes through your spine you have to be a special person to administer that. It was also pretty common for women to die during childbirth. Eva didn't die during childbirth, but she barely survived her labor. But unfortunately, her baby didn't make it. Eva was then fighting for her life after losing her baby, which um, it's just unimaginable. William and Lila wrote a letter to the child's father and Eva's boyfriend, Walter, letting him know that the baby didn't make it, and now Eva was fighting for her own life. Walter, thinking that Eva was probably going to die soon, went to the maternity home to go see her, and what he discovered when he arrived was absolutely horrific. He found out that Eva had not been given any antibiotics or any type of medication for the infection that she had, and not only that, there were no drugs or any type available on the premises. So you're sitting here providing maternity care for women but don't actually have any medication and there's a lot of things that happen after childbirth even now. You can get an infection. You know, you know there's a lot of things that happen. You yeah. have to have medication on hand. You just have to. There was nothing available on hand. So she really was not getting any type of care. And see where was all that money
0: going? That should have been more than enough to have medicine. Yeah, like you would think you would at least have the the affordability for medicine.
1: You're charging $7,500 for somebody to give birth. You tell them you can't take a little bit of that and go like get some antibiotics. So if you're thinking what the fuck, same. And of course, Lila and William didn't really appreciate being questioned about it. When Walter started questioning them, like, um, like what is going on? Like, this is how you practice. Where's your medication? They felt offended. (laughs) Like, how dare you ask me this? Um, His girlfriend is dying and his baby died and you don't want him to ask you any questions when you're not giving her. And it's not just that he saw that like no medications were given. It was completely unsanitary. Of course it was. Like disgusting, dirty, flies all around. Because there's no one that has to hold them accountable to do anything. Yeah, because back then, it's not like they had people going there making sure your licenses were in order. You kind of just said, right. hey, I'm opening this home, and that was
0: it. Or there was no health inspections, right. that could randomly happen. That, and
1: obviously, these women in these situations weren't going to say anything. What are they going to say? Hey, I went here because I'm unmarried and was going to have a baby without anybody knowing. They weren't going to say that. So they took advantage of everybody.
0: Just like now, if you don't have your own insurance, you know, you can maybe possibly hide a pregnancy a healthy way. but. If you don't have insurance or you are under your parents insurance and they find out that's going to be a big issue. Everyone says like, you know, women should carry these these babies to term and, and things like that. But you don't factor in all these other considerations. It's not as simple as have the baby or not to have the baby because there's so many different things that are against women and the options that they have, especially at this point. It's just sad that this was completely avoidable. Yeah, At this
1: point, they had no options. Women had just women had been voting for like 10 years at this point. Like it was they didn't have a lot of options.
0: And it's also just sad that, you know, again, we can't to this day even agree on a lot of these things. And a woman's decision is still up for debate to this day right and like that's the thing
1: it's also so relevant now like it's not not a lot has not not a lot. some places not a lot has changed as walter starts questioning them like why didn't you call a doctor because obviously they're not doctors they kind of got offended and was like we don't need any additional help we know what we're doing and then they proceeded to actually charge walter 25 dollars, which is equivalent to like 470 dollars now to bury his baby so, like, he's dealing with all this and then they have the freaking nerve to charge him for b- burying his baby. And Walter ended up paying it, which to me was like, again, it's the situation that he's in. What was right. he going to do? Say, give me my baby's body and then go to another funeral home and say, hey, this is my girlfriend's baby that died at this home. Can you help me bury it? Like, it was just an impossible situation. What else was he going to do? So he kind of just ends up paying the money. So then after he pays for the burial, he then was like, okay, I want to go visit Eva again. And they're like, oh, sorry, visiting hours are over. You have to leave. So while part of me is like, why didn't you fight this more? Again, they're in an impossible situation. He couldn't call up cops. What was he going to do? So he just leaves and he's like, all right, I'll, I'll come back and visit her. But two days later, Eva died from the complications of childbirth. I wish I could tell you this was like an isolated incident, but obviously this isn't the case or we wouldn't be covering it. There's another story that came out of the ideal maternity home. And again, this was open from like 1928 to like 1948, 47. So I'm giving you like two stories, but there's a lot. There's a woman named Violet Eisenhower who describes her experience of giving birth at ideal maternity home. Violet was actually married when she found out that she was pregnant, Um, but she still decided that ideal maternity home was the choice to go to have her baby because it was supposed to be this place where they gave you care at the end of the day whether you're married or unmarried they gave you maternity care and even though it was mostly known as like a safe haven for un- unwed mothers it was also considered one of the biggest most modern maternity facilities in Canada so she figured let me have my baby there like my baby will be safe I want the best care I can get so on July 7 1940 Violet goes and she gives birth to a baby girl named Faith she was healthy eight pounds six ounces. Violet stated, quote, she was all rosy, not wrinkled like other babies. Everyone said she was the prettiest baby there. So Violet, you know, she has her baby. She's nurs- She's nurs- nursing her for about two weeks. Like, because you did get like, it wasn't like now where they send you to the hospital, like they send you home from the hospital, like the next day. You used to be able to be in the hospital for like a week or two after you had a baby. And right, like she's, she's going to be discharged after two weeks, a few hours before she's supposed to be discharged with baby Faith. She gets told that faith had become ill during the night and she had turned black and stopped breathing what yep violet said there's a quote from violet that says i didn't think to question it why should i think anyone would take my baby but then violet starts to hear rumors from other people like around ideal maternity home and they're telling her that they're really suspicious about the death of her baby she was told that there was a rich couple who had come to Ideal Maternity Home to adopt a baby girl because one of the things they did offer, because a lot of times these unwed mothers had the baby but gave them up for adoption, because they also were finding homes for these babies. Right. So this rich couple came to Ideal Maternity Home looking to adopt a baby girl. And what do you know? That Violet had the only baby girl in the nursery at that time. Wow. At this point, Violet starts to become really suspicious also. She was told that the baby's body was not in the condition to be seen when she asked about the baby's body. So she started to question about this body that nobody seems to have seen except for William and Lila Young. And um, Violet's mother had even sewn like a little pink dress for the baby to wear, you know, for her burial. And they told her that it was too late, that she was already prepared for burial. What?
0: No, come on.
1: So Violet and her husband were then handed a literal butter box. Back then you used to get groceries and they boxed, they used to be butter that came in these boxes and it was literally labeled butter box. And that's what they handed to her. Wait a minute. She spent like
0: thousands upon thousands of dollars and you gave her baby back to her in a wooden box.
1: Yes. um, With the lid screwed tight. So Violet did not go to the funeral. She was just sick. She couldn't do it. But her husband did and her family did and she remembers hearing her husband and her father arguing that night stating that they were going to dig up the grave themselves because they just they didn't believe it. They were basically saying I don't care like because you know they said that the body turned black and she stopped breathing so they were like I don't care I don't care if it's darkest as as, as tar I want to see the baby I want to see the body. But Violet kind of told them to leave it alone I think it was just like a little too hard for her to deal with it. She actually never has another child after that because she just couldn't get over what happened. She just never believed that her baby died. Uh, she believed that they sold her baby into adopt, you know, because, you know, even now to adopt a baby is an of disgustingly high amount of money. you can just imagine back then. And again, you go to ideal maternity home, like they, they basically have control over everything. So she will like believe that they sold her baby for adoption to that rich couple. She kind of lives with this for a really, really long time. We do find out that later on, she does finally convince the government to exhume the body to take DNA. But like it. Didn't happen until '96. This happened in 1940. So she literally waited almost 60 years to try to find out if that was her baby that they buried. And spoiler alert: they the results were inconclusive because it was almost 60 years later and they couldn't extract enough DNA. So she never actually gets any answers on what happened to her baby. What also she didn't know at the time when she had her baby there was that the ideal maternity home and the Youngs were actually being investigated by child welfare officials due to rumors of a baby-selling business that was drawing customers from, like, not just Canada, but from the United States and Europe as well. So Whoa. they were, like, literally selling babies on the black market.
0: Enough for people were hearing about it to be able to flock there.
1: Yep, and so once they started hearing these rumors, finally they start investigating. So what they discovered later was that the Youngs were running a baby business. The business basically sold babies on the black market for up to $10,000 per baby, which is equivalent to almost $150,000 now. Wow. That is a fucking pricey ass baby. With 80 to 125 babies housed, it was probably like their large, that was a really large maternity home. They at any time could have up to 125 babies. So these people are basically like black market millionaires. No, they became millionaires. They actually, I, I talk about that later, but I'll tell you how much they made. But they had between 800 and 1,500 babies that were born there between 1928 and
0: 1946. I'm so bad at math that, that I can't even
1: fathom how much money that is. I Well, I, I did the math for you, don't worry. Oh, thank you. What they also found out though, was that the youngs would, they had babies that they said were quote unquote unmarketable. So any that were born with any type of birthmark, birth defects, mixed race, Those were considered unmarketable. So what they would do is they would put them on a diet that was just molasses and water. And after that, the babies would die like two weeks later.
0: I was going to say, you're not supposed to give babies water. Everyone knows that. Like infants don't drink water like the first, I think, year.
1: Molasses and water. And they would literally only last about two weeks. Like, and I'm talking about if they were born with any type of illness, any type of deformity. And again, if their skin was a little bit darker than people liked, they were unmarketable.
0: Did they know that this would kill the babies? Oh, they they knew.
1: knew. They absolutely knew. They did it on purpose. They would purposely starve them because they were unmarketable.
0: So they were just basically looking for white babies that they could sell.
1: Right. Perfect little babies. That what they thought were perfect. And then so they would do this to the babies. They would purposely starve them. And then they would often, they would basically dispose of them in those small wooden grocery butter boxes. And they would like basically bury them on the property and nobody would ever find out about them. And they would just kind of tell the mothers like, hey, your baby didn't make it. And they would bury these babies. And then the ones that could, they could sell, they would sell.
0: My stomach hurts right now.
1: So there was literally hundreds of uh, babies buried on their property that we find out about later. They were, yeah, They so they were buried on the property adjacent to a nearby cemetery, sometimes at sea. Sometimes if they didn't have room, they would be burned in the furnace. They would be incinerated.
0: Like their home furnace, like to heat up the house. Yeah, they had
1: like a furnace in the home. And in some cases, married couples who had come to the home solely for birthing services were told that their babies had died shortly after birth because they were not just unwed mothers. They were some married couples who just came there for birthing services. Thinking
0: that it was better because it's privatized and more expensive.
1: Right. The youngs would also separate or create siblings to meet the desires of customers. So either if you had multiple babies, they would separate them or they would just take random babies, put them together and say they were siblings if a couple wanted multiple births or multiple babies. It is estimated that between four and 600 babies died at the home, while at least another thousand survived and were adopted. So, like, all these families think that their babies died and they did not. Um, even these lucky survivors often suffered from ailments caused by the unsanitary conditions and lack of care at the home. So, in 1935, the Youngs were convicted of fraud for charging childcare expenses for a dead child. In 1936, they were charged with manslaughter for the deaths of Eva Neaforth and her baby. Which they said was caused by like negligence and unsanitary conditions in the home. But after a three-day trial, they were acquitted. What? In 1942, they were involved in an investigation in relation to like an adoption they had done in the home. Um, In 1946, they were charged with illegally selling babies to four American couples, but they didn't get any jail time. They were fined $428.98, which is equivalent to about $6,000 now. Which was nothing to them because it's estimated that the youngs had made 3.5 million dollars from adoption sales, at that time, 3.5 million dollars. I don't even want to tell you how much money. Like that a is billion right now.
0: dollars right now.
1: Yeah, it was it was a lot like three point five million dollars. You were a millionaire in 1930s. Well, of
0: course, that's why they're not going to go to jail, because they can give everybody money and keep themselves out of jail. The worst
1: part is that those three point five million dollars were made just from the adoption sales, not from the money they were charging the mothers to have maternity services, which if they couldn't pay the maternity services, a lot of them would end up having to work off their debt.
0: See, and what's disgusting about that, too, is they have so much money that they could have made that place sanitary
1: and they They could have done a lot. This could have actually been a great thing and it wasn't.
0: Yeah, um, they had the potential, they had the to, potential to hire good, doctors
1: and make sure that they were licensed people and like good people to do this. Instead, and they just didn't.
0: They just it was just to them. They like it was the process of making
1: money, like their products, not people. Yep. Now, after all, all that, the home would close, right? No, the home still remained open with the Young's renaming the home Battle Creek of Nova Scotia, Rest Haven Park. This didn't change anything. The home still operated exactly as it always had been. In 1945, due to rumors of the deaths happening at the home, an investigation was opened and an inspector was finally sent to the home. The inspector witnessed severely neglected babies, like severely neglected, like they were half the size that they were supposed to be, and unsanitary conditions. So now the home is closed, right? Nope. 1946, the Montreal Standard newspaper published the article titled, Traitors in Fear, Baby Farm Rackets Still Lure Girls Who Are Afraid of Social Agencies. In the article, the writer Mavis Gallant wrote that young women were exploited and bullied into giving their babies up for adoption, that medical care was questionable, and that the youngs were trafficking babies internationally. The youngs actually tried to sue for fucking defamation, which newsflash, it's not defamation if it's true. So they actually not only lost... The trial but this actually ended up being their downfall because that is when uh, during the trial there was during the investigation they discovered that there were dead babies buried in butter boxes all over the property so like they turned themselves in essentially so now the home is closed oh it actually still didn't close after this it took another two years it wasn't until 1948 and it wasn't because of the dead babies Hold on, were people still showing up? Um, up until the home closed, yeah, people were still showing up. Because again, this is not like now with social media and news where everybody would immediately find out about it. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't until 1948, and the only reason the home closed had nothing to do with all of their court cases Mm -hmm. and all of the dead babies. It only closed because in 1948, there was finally an amendment made um, to the Maternity Boarding House Act that required more qualifications for licenses. So their home was actually rejected for a license and then finally closed. It had nothing to do with the dead babies or the mothers that they charge all this money for and nothing. It had to do with just this amendment that was placed into law that then they got rejected for a license and they only closed because they got rejected for a license, not because they were doing all of this horrific stuff.
0: And please tell me they didn't reopen another place somewhere else. No,
1: they were done. They were actually convicted of violating the maternity boarding house act. And for practicing medicine without a Good. license, because again, she did say she was an obstetrician and they were doing obstetricians. Centres. Like that, that's, that's a service a doctor yeah. does with delivering right. babies. So they got convicted for, for doing that. Delivering
0: babies are base, is almost essentially a surgery to some degree.
1: Yeah. It's not something, not, not even a regular doctor does it. You have to be an right. obstetrician.
0: And it'd be one thing if you, if you, if you say yourself, you're, if you say you're a doula or you're a midwife, Then people are going in knowing what to expect. But to say obstetrician implies that you've been trained and you're a doctor. And if necessary, surgery can be done or medication will be given. That's what you're saying when you say obstetrician.
1: So they got convicted of all this stuff. And uh, if you thought that they went to jail forever, they did not. They were convicted, but all they were done was fined $150. Wait, for the whole thing, $150? $150. But- They actually somehow went bankrupt after the home closed, which I'm not sure how because they made millions of dollars. But again, maybe think of all like these lawsuits and legal fees, I guess, but they went broke as fuck after the home closed. And um, in 1962, William Young died of cancer and in 1967, Lila died of leukemia. And get this, Lila gets buried in a cemetery right next to where she and William used to bury the babies in butter boxes. That just kind of reminded me of when Ted Bundy wanted his ashes spread all over where he had some victims of his. Yeah, that's almost the same thing. You're right. Survivors of the ideal, there were survivors of the ideal maternity home. You know, the ones that were adopted from all over Canada, the United States and Europe who eventually did meet. And they provided support and kind of aided other people in like the search to find out who their real parents were. So there are like books and there's a couple of movies and stuff based on this, um, because there were some survivors who found out that they were Butterbox babies. The home has been subject to several books, plays and two movies. There was a book written by Betty Cahill called Butterbox Babies, which is adopted into two movies, one in 1995 called Butterbox Babies, and another movie that was released in 2019 called The Child Remains. But unfortunately, like Violet never got any answers on whether or not her baby survived. I hope she does. Um, I hope that more people get closure but that is the uh, case of the Butterbox babies
0: see this is so like infuriating on so many levels and things like this happen because people try to control what happens to women's bodies and this is the result of these things
1: this is, yeah when you don't give women a choice had these women not been judged for the situation that they were in they this would have never thought no, this treat, institution this kind would of never
0: exist because we could just get we would have all of our options safely Not to say that everyone that would go into that hospital wanted an abortion or wanted to adopt their child or whatever.
1: A lot of these women had no problem having their, I mean, they were bullied into giving them for adoption. I think that if they weren't facing the judgment of being an unwed mother, they they would have have kept their their children.
0: Right. So it's just one of these things like just consider that when you hear situations like this, because it's sad that this happened, but it's sad that it's a possibility that this can happen again. And that's something we have to really take seriously. it's sad that this case
1: is so relevant. Some of these people are still alive. Yeah. They're still alive. They've
0: had grandkids that don't know where they're from. One of my grandfather's parents are adopted. I have no idea my lineage. So I know what that feels like. I know, you know, it took my dad to take a 23andMe test to even know what he was. I understand somewhere down the line, my family was adopted and I don't know the story. So it would be nice to know who you are.
1: And it's not fair because it's one thing if you want to willingly give your baby up for adoption. You can't bully someone into giving up their baby. You don't tell someone their baby died and sell their baby on the black market. This is like not just a matter of that. It's like you're putting these people through psychological trauma. Can you imagine what it was like your whole life thinking your baby died and then you find out later on? That your baby probably didn't die and just it's being raised by someone you don't know. Like it's disgusting. It's horrible. And that's why I did this case because I was so disturbed. So I thought I would disturb everybody else by telling them the story.
0: Well, yeah, it's pretty sad. So let's get into her. who does that because we... There's no other words
1: for it. Who does that?
0: Who does that? Who does that? Who does that? I Found this on UPI.com. And just the title alone, I knew I was going to cover it. Man takes 92 wet sponge hits to the face. For Guinness record. Like,
1: oh, like he just willingly let people hit him in the face with a wet sponge.
0: So let's get into this. June 29th, an Idaho man with more than 150 Guinness World Records to his name took 92 hits to the face from wet sponges to break his latest record. David, I wish you guys could see Vicky's face right now. She looks so confused and disturbed. I'm
1: so, I don't understand. David Rush,
0: who breaks Guinness World Book Records to promote STEM education, created a video for the AVA Community Library Summer Reading Program which took its presentations virtual this year due to the COVID pandemic and broke a record for his talk on growth mindset. The video features Rush recounting his journey from having zero Guinness records at age 30 to amassing more than 150 at age 35. At the close of the video, he breaks the record with help from neighbor Jonathan Hannon. Hannon threw 106 sponges in the minute time frame and 92 of them made contact with Rush's face to break the record which previously stood at 76. So someone actually has done this record before
1: and he broke it by 20 odd sponges. I don't even know what to say about this. Like, I really do. Like, the thing is, I've read the Guinness Book of World Records. There's so many other things you could have done and broken so many other records. Why did you pick this and listen, one? What's funny about the
0: Guinness World Book of Records is if you don't see it in the book and you do it and someone's there, it gets into the, the
1: book. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna read it again and I'm gonna find like the dumbest one that nobody's <laughs> ever done so that I could just do it once and be in the book. And I don't care if somebody breaks it two days later, I could say I was in the Guinness Book of World Records.
0: As disgusting as it sounds, if you amass 400 toe clippings, that might not be in the, <laughs> World Guinness, be in the Guinness, World Guinness Book of the Guinness Records, World but record. that might end up being in the Guinness World Book. That is how ridiculous the Guinness World Book of Records is. But it, one thing I liked about this is that the guy promotes STEM education, he does it for a purpose. I guess. I guess if you're gonna do
1: it, do it for a purpose.
0: But Rush um, and Hannon previously broke the thirty-second version of the same record, and Rush said it's a challenging record because it's, it's difficult to figure out timing of when he can open his eyes to reposition his face in between sponges.
1: So if you already broke the record once, just leave it. <laughs> I don't understand. He just wanted to get hit in the face with a fucking sponge. I'm like I just can't.
0: Rush recently self-published a book about his record-breaking breaking records.
1: 21 lessons from 20 world record attempts. He's had a very productive five years of his life breaking 100 and something records. Like, maybe I just want to break one.
0: Yeah, but I just thought it was hilarious. And what cracked me up even more is that I don't know if he was the one that originally like set the The most of the 76 sponges, or if that was somebody else that had previously done it and he decided he could break it with his neighbor. I don't really know I the hope the neighbor story. is part of
1: the record, too, because I think that he should get some props for throwing the sponges. Well, he
0: said he, he gave him credit. No, he gave him credit. He did. He, okay, he gave right. him credit. But still, like, the point is, what's hilarious, because, I mean, it's still, think a minute, 106 sponges. That's a, and that's for a lot to throw in a minute. The percentile of being hit in the face with them was pretty impressive. That's a really
1: high percentage, 96 out of 106, dude. You're like, you're really good. 102, yeah, 102
0: yeah. or something like that. But, yeah, it's just the idea that that's what you do, to break a record and that's considered and what's even funnier is on the other side is that it's accepted of that like, okay <laughs> sure you broke the record
1: hey if you're gonna do something with your time now i guess go break some world records <laughs> go hit yourself in the face with a sponge a million times i don't know hey, hey, as long as you social distance go ahead go go do your thing
0: i hope this episode wasn't as disturbing as i feel like it was
1: <laughs> it probably was i feel like it might be and we're probably, we're probably like people who have been listening to like our little like our episodes lately that are a little bit lighter are definitely going to get smacked in the face with disturbing shit.
0: But you know what? We're all facing uncomfortable times right Plus, now. Plus, we gave
1: you a whole week off.
0: Like. No, we gave you like two, three weeks yeah,
1: off. Yeah, you've had like two weeks off, so you can get
0: disturbed a little. We've been on a non-vacation vacation. vacation yeah. we are got to come back with a bang, basically. Like, subscribe, leave us a review, merch, you know, the usual. But most important, stay
1: weird, Americas. Bye! Bye.